Well, welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. My name is Heather. I'm going to give you some news and views from a West Texans biblical point of view one you're not going to find in your mainstream media. Hey guys, thanks for joining me um, today on today's um, episode. We're going to talk about prophetic malnutrition and uh, giving up more freedoms. The first car free neighborhood opens in the U.S. So let's talk about this stuff today one other thing i want to um keep us all apprised of is we need to be praying for the peace of jerusalem we are commanded by our lord and savior jesus christ to do that and so uh just on the forefront just you know keep keep on praying for the peace of jerusalem there's a lot of stuff happening in israel right now and um a lot of stuff if you guys want to check out more about that you can go from hope for our times and uh, you can also uh, check out the prophecy update by pastor meter brett meter there at um, athy creek and learn a whole lot more than what i could tell you so anyway uh, definitely be praying for that and um so that's what i want to talk to you guys about today mainly and uh, what also we could do i want to open with some scripture today so we're going to go to uh I believe it is. Let me pull up here. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. So, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. And so uh, be generous and do good. Uh, verse 6 continues and says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life so and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart therefore as we have opportunity let us do good to all especially to those who are of the household of faith so folks Take that to heart today. So let's jump into giving up more freedoms. The first car-free neighborhood opens in the U.S. This is by David Bowen. Posted uh, today, the 11th of August, and it was at HarbingersDaily.com. So uh, in the East Valley of Phoenix, Arizona, the first car-free neighborhood opened. is called Cul-de-Sac Tempe. I'm sure I mispronounced that. This is the first car-free neighborhood built from scratch in the U.S. He says, I asked myself, is this a good thing? I understand that living in a rented apartment complex where you only walk or bike throughout the complex may be appealing. This complex has its own market, restaurant, dog park, and many shared courtyards. It is 17 acres with 700 apartments and 50 shared courtyards. The most significant selling point is that there is no automobile traffic or traffic noise local news report said the wait list for this cul-de-sac apartments is over 600 people cul-de-sac which is also the name of the developer is the first post car real estate developer in the u.s quote 
a postcard real estate developer. He says, I've never used that title before. In fact, no one has ever used that description for a residential unit before. The New York Times called this project a pedestrian oasis. Bloomberg headlines was walkable car-free living. The Wall Street Journal proclaimed this project the first of its kind in the U.S. So these apartments are one, two, and some three bedrooms. A typical one bedroom is 648 square feet and rents for $1,420 a month. Of course, without a car payment. I'm sorry. <clears throat> a one-bedroom, 850-square-feet apartment rents for $1,940 per month. Rents go up to $3,060 per month. However, those who sign leases have to commit to living car-free. What if you need to get off campus? How do you get to Scottsdale or Phoenix Metro? How do you get to work or to school? What if you want to shop and you'll be buying more than you can carry home. The planned response to those questions is the perks that come with the lease. Each resident receives 15% off all lift rods, uh, free rods on the metro, which is public transportation, and car sharing starting at $5 an hour, 100 plus scooters on site, 15-minute cities. 15-minute cities have come to London. Now in Arizona, we have a five-minute community. Realize that Phoenix is the fifth largest city in the United States, Tempe, along with cities like Chandler, Gilbert, and Mesa is part of the East Valley of Phoenix. According to the last census, Tempe's population is over 170,000 folks. It is the home of Arizona State University. Cul-de-sac claims they want to build this same structure in other cities such as Dallas, Denver, and beyond. C40 Steering Committee, another name for the 15-minute cities is C40. C40 is a group of mayors from cities around the globe saying they are willing to unite in planning and organizing 15-minute cities. C40 does have a steering committee. The chairman position does rotate. Currently, the chairman of the C40 Steering Committee is the mayor of London. Also on the steering committee is the current mayor of ding, 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 ding. Yes, folks, Phoenix. Agenda 2030. What we are seeing in Tempe is the beginning of the fulfillment of Agenda 2030 in a sustainable development plan. In 2015, the United Nations announced a set of 17 sustainable goals. Their plan was to reach these goals by 2030, which gave them 15 years to accomplish their goal. By 2021, they realized they were falling behind in the implementation of their goals. So in order to reach them by their 2030 target date, they publicly said they had to ratchet up their efforts. George Mason University School of Business. About a year ago, George Mason University School of Business did a case study on the proposed car-free neighborhood development. In this case study, they highlighted cul-de-sac in the community they were building in the East Valley of Phoenix. It all seems good in the beginning. Of course, over the years, cities in America have developed to adapt to how our lifestyles and needs progress. The history of cities in America can be broken down into three phases. The first phase was called walking cities. The timing of this phase was pre-1880. These cities had narrow, unpaved roads, you can still see what neighborhoods from 200 years ago were like in places like Philadelphia. The second phase of the development of American cities was called streetcar cities. The East stage... This, day, this stage took place from 1880 to 1920. After 1920, the automobile city was popularized and continues on today. Americans have a love affair with the automobile. Agenda 21. So in 1992, the United Nations Agenda 21 programs was announced. This tagline was done for our good and for the greater good. Remember, this was 1992. Agenda 21 listed many of America's activities as unsustainable and targeted for elimination by 20. 30. 
Number one, Agenda 21 planned that all private property ownership in Ross would be deemed unsustainable and targeted for elimination. In 2020, the Great Recess tagline was, in 10 years, you'll own nothing and be happy. Number two, Agenda 21 claimed all forms of crop irrigation were deemed unsustainable and targeted for elimination. In 2023, the news is filled with stories of farmland, dairy farms, and livestock being destroyed. Number three, Agenda 21 claimed livestock production and most meat would be unsustainable and targeted for elimination. Instead, the normal diet would be living on a vegetarian diet. The Great Reset has projected that hamburgers or steak will no longer be a staple. Instead, you'll be offered bugs for protein. Number four, Agenda 21 projected that privately owned vehicles and personal travel would be unsustainable and targeted for elimination. Now we have 15-minute cities and no-car developments and people are actually excited about these developments. Number five, Agenda 21 had single-family homes in suburban communities being unsustainable and targeted for elimination today. Look at all the apartment complexes being built. These are not being built by mistake. George Washington, returning to our founding fathers, our first president, George Washington, wisely declared there would be no such thing as human rights without property ownership. I believe his exact quote was, freedom and property rights are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. What's next? By 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Really? The other questions? Car-free communities and neighborhoods. Is this good? Let's not look at the sales pitch. Rather, let's look at the outcome. What happens when we give up more freedoms? For now, it's eliminating cars. Next will be the digital ID, then digital currencies. As more personal freedoms are restricted or removed, it seems the next step will be travel restrictions and free speech. And speech. And I'm just going to throw in there the mark of the beast. I'm sorry. Anyway, if you are dependent on great power for everything, i.e. the government, then you are not free. The Great Reset, which has now transitioned to the Great Narrative, may sound good in theory but look at what the outcome will be slavery folks he is absolutely correct you can find that article at harbingersdaily.com by david bowen david bowen excellent article sir excellent what else are we going to talk about today prophetic malnutrition yes folks uh this is um definitely on the horizon and uh, it's coming up you can tell um churches don't want to preach about prophecy which is 25% of the Bible. I'm like, uh, you know, Jesus talked a lot about Bible prophecy, and I think uh, we should take it to heart, right? So let's see. This is by Steve Schmitzer. Steve Schmitzer posted at uh, rev310.net. So that is rev310.net, posted July the 12th. So how will, or he goes, how well will your car perform if you removed one wheel? Would you sit down in, would you sit down in a car with a leg missing do you trust a plane with only three of his four wings? He says these questions may seem absurd, but they each have something in common. In each case, 25% of something important is missing. And in each scenario, you would be at risk if you settle for less. No reasonable person would willingly choose to put themselves in these situations. So why do we choose to regard the Bible differently than we would regard the car, the chair, or the plane? He says, I'll pose the same question another way. Quote, why do so many pastors, teachers, and, quote, Christian leaders ignore, revile, delude, mock, avoid, and misrepresent the 25% of God's word, which, comprom which comprises which comprises the prophetic scriptures, he asked. Here are a few compelling facts to consider from the Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy by J. Barton 
pain. Number one, there are 1,239 prophecies in the Old Testament and 578 in the New Testament for a total of 1,817 prophecies. These prophecies are included with 8,352 verses of the Bible. Since there are 31,124 verses in the Bible, the 8,352 verses that contain prophecy constitute 26.8% of the Bible's volume. He says, so I'm being conservative here. That's actually a bit more than 24% of God's word. The entire Bible has prophetic themes woven through it. It is prophetic at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3 when the conflict between the physical seed of the woman and the physical seed of the serpent was foretold. And it is prophetic at the very end of Revelation when the reign of Christ is anticipated for all eternity. The prophetic scriptures so dominate the whole Bible that there's imposs- that they're impossible to avoid unless one intentionally changes their gait through each passage the same way one avoids stepping on cracks in the sidewalk. He says, I know pastors and teachers that do this, and of course, so do you, he says. Digging a bit deeper here uncovers uh, more to think about. Over 1,500 of the prophecies of the Bible are devoted to Christ's second coming. For every prophecy in the Old Testament about Jesus' first coming, there are eight, eight folks about his second coming. Christ's return also comprises one of every five verses in the New Testament. Here's where the rubber meets the road. He says that the Bible makes prophecy a priority, so should we. If an emphasis of the New Testament is the second coming of Christ, we should make that emphasis too. If prophetic themes crop up all the time throughout the entire word of God, we should be seeing prophetic themes salting in many of our sermons and lessons. But we don't. It was not always like this. He says we can look at Paul's example as a case in point. We know Paul as the converter, as the converted persecutor of early Christians, and as the agent through which the Holy Spirit authored most of the New Testament. We are less familiar with Paul's activities during his ministry, during his missionary journeys, but it's here that I want to point out something important, he says. It concerns the church of Thessalonica, which Paul visited on his second missionary journey. His time with them was brief, as Acts 17.2 may suggest. He followed that visit up with letters that we call First and Second Thessalonians. And now it gets interesting, he says. So, word had come to Paul that apostate teachings had entered the young Thessalonian church heresies which conflicted with the things he had personally taught them chapters two or chapter two of second thessalonians dives right into the problem and it concerns the second coming of jesus christ paul dispenses a healthy portion of meat in this chapter and he asks in verse five don't you remember when i was with you i used to tell you these things Apparently, Paul had emphasized the fundamentals of Bible prophecy with these folks right from the get-go. He says, it's easy to overlook the layout of the situation, but here it is. The Thessalonian church was new in his faith and organization. Paul didn't have a lot of time with them, but he used what little he had to emphasize the themes of prophecy. Specifically, Paul taught these early believers about Christ's physical second advent, about the Antichrist, about the pre-trib rapture, and about the great tribulation. It's time for a reality check. He says, this was a young church, right? He says, yep. And the believers faced external persecution and internal discord, just like believers do today, correct? He says, "Mm mm-hmm. And the congregation was trying to minister to the needs of those inside and outside the faith, right? He says, you bet. 
So he says, so what gives with this emphasis on prophecy? Shouldn't Paul have focused on Christian community, the love of Jesus, responsible tithing, making disciples, being a good neighbor, how to show grace and what it means to really care? <laughs> he goes, let's get real. Eschatology, Bible prophecy. He says, isn't that the fringe stuff that's not really essential to our faith? Shouldn't shouldn't he have emphasized Jesus uh, since it's all about Jesus anyway, he questions. It's the church of today that needs to learn something from the church of yesterday. Our pastors, teachers, and quote, Christian leaders would be wise to take a cue from Paul. It's high time we put 25% of the divinely inspired word of God back into our regular diets. He says, I'll be brutally honest here. He goes, I'm alarmed at the posture of the greater church towards the prophetic word of God. In an abject display of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, the average church today doubts and belittles the very doctrines that Paul considered vital to the faith of a believer and to the health of a congregation. Trapped within the clutches of Revelation chapter 3, verses 15. Oops, I'm sorry, folks. Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 20. The church today is blind to its own prognosis. It has vaccinated itself against receiving the full truth by permitting only a portion of it to have any effect. A lot of churches will teach on portions of God's word like First and Second Thessalonians, and there are plenty more passages in the Bible like these. And they'll never really get to the heart of of the content they deflect from it instead the reason is the reason is they've allowed the good to become the enemy of the best to repeat a phrase i touched on earlier he says it's common to hear it's all about jesus this is a standard line that many folks parrot when they find themselves confronted about spiritual issues that challenge their personal preferences and zones of comfort he says i'm not going to argue with the essence of that line he says but i'll offer a perspective that some people who are quick to deploy it have not adequately considered in revelation chapter 19 verse 10 it says for the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy he says, let me put that another way. Prophecy is designed to reveal the full person and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no way around it, he says. This is a problem for anyone that justifies placing prophetic doctrines on the back burner so they can focus on Jesus, quote unquote, instead. It's problematic for them to say it's all about Jesus because their choices incriminate them. They cannot maximize their relationship with God when they refuse to wholly understand him the way the entire revelation of the Bible intends for them too. It's like having a bunch of Facebook, quote, friends. Saying they are your friends hardly means you share the sort of bond with them that the discipline of a fully vested relationship brings about. He says, I'll come full circle here and wrap it up. He says, the 25% of scripture, which is prophetic, uniquely reveals the person, plans, and purposes of Jesus Christ. As such, it was divinely intended to be a vital part of the believer's spiritual diet. Any other choice results in spiritual malnutrition and an arm's length relationship with our Lord and Savior. Like being on a plane with only three wings, one will inevitably be at risk. He says, just as Paul realized that one's relationship with Jesus will lack a great deal of meaningful dimension if his future plans and dramatic end time return is discounted so we will be less effective with the good news of salvation if we do not proclaim 100 percent of the testimony of jesus folks you can find that at rev310.net and our excellent article there by steve smutzer 
Guys, we are living in the end days. I know you guys are looking around. You guys see what I see. I see what you see. I hear what you hear. You know, it's everywhere. You can't get around it. Things are happening in Israel and it's really ramping up over there. Now, what you guys have to remember is Israel is still not saved. They do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So everything they do is not perfect. Remember that they are living in sin. They have, you know, they have not accepted Christ um, and they don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Savior and as their Messiah. They are still looking for their Messiah. So keep that in mind and read Daniel. <laughs> Daniel and the book of Revelation and Ezekiel. So much is happening, folks. I'm going to run over here to Ezekiel 38. And I'm just going to kind of give you an overview. Uh, let me pull it up here on my Olive Tree Bible software <laughs> on my computer. So Ezekiel, I'm going to scroll to 38. Let's Hold this, make it a little bigger. Um, so let's see. Now listen to this. This is, and I have a book. I have wrote a book. Let me go here to Amazon. Now, um, if you guys have the Kindle version, it's uh, it's called the Remnant Believers on the Kindle version. I think it's four ninety nine, and uh, the paperback is the Last Days Remnant Believers. And so um, I tried. Let me see, last days, let me feel to pull up, last days, remnant, if I can spell it, remnant believers. <laughs> but I talk in this book, um, if you have Kindle Unlimited, by the way, it's called The Remnant Believers, and it's free to read. Uh, it's free to read, you guys, um, if you have um, Kindle Unlimited. Now, paperback is five nine, $5.35. I know they're price really weird, but I price as low as I can go. <laughs> and then because you can only go so low because Amazon has to account for their printing. Um, but uh, I tell you, uh, it's good. It talks about um, I, I start from the beginning, even all the way back to when Schofield wrote his Bible and added study notes to it, like I think in 1909. And he proclaimed that Christ would come back. He proclaimed that Russia and then would invade Israel in the end days. And people thought he was crazy. Number one. Israel was not a nation at this time. It didn't become a nation until May of 1948. And Russia at the time was an Orthodox Christian nation. They couldn't imagine anything like that happening. <laughs> Number one, Israel was not even a nation. And uh, at that time, Russia was a Christian nation. So that would have never even entered anybody's minds. But here, fast forward to now, Russia is now poised on the Syrian border. Uh, they started their Ukraine, pro they got the war. So all kinds of stuff is happening. Um, we have Israel bombing Damascus. And of course, there's another prophecy in the Bible about Damascus. And that's in this book as well. Um, the Damascus will be no more. And uh, so much, so much. And so, um, you know, it's a really good book. If you guys wanted to go out and grab, it's probably one of the best books I wrote, by nonfiction books, um, besides the After the Rapture, What Comes Next. You know, that was a pretty, the updated one is very good. Um, but anyway, so I just want to throw that out there. Uh, it's, it's got a whole, I did a whole lot of research um, on that book and so that 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 was like my heart and soul <laughs> so anyway um, I did uh, I think I uh, published uh, it looks like June 18th of 2021 so anyway let's roll over here to Gog and allies attack Israel so this is the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war which I actually break down show maps all kinds of stuff in my book um, but I'm just going to give you an overview here really quick. This is chapter 38, verse 1 in Ezekiel. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog, G-O-G, of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy 
prophecy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rush, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out with all your armies, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them. All of them with shield and helmet. Gomar and all his troops, the house of Togomar, from the far north and all his troops, many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days, you will be visited. In the latter years, you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. This is Israel, guys, all brought back. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan you will say i will go up against a land of unwalled villages i will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take plunder and to take booty to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited if you remember, Israel was a swamp, and now it's inhabited and beautiful. Anyway, and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods, who dwell in the midst of the land, Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all their young lions will say to you, Have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophecy and say to God, this, Thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will in the latter days, it will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before your eye, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servant, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? And then he goes on to say judgment of God, that God, Gog, judgment of Gog, which is God is going to um, places judgment on Gog, G-O-G. Folks, get in and read 38 and 39 because then you're going to find out what happens. And it is super exciting because our God is almighty. Almighty, I'm telling you. Um, if you're not in the Word of God, let me tell you, get in the Word of God. Let the Word of God get into you. Um, guys, it's lot you got to have a hunger for it. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a hunger for it. Now, there's a lot of people that read the Bible really fast. I don't. I don't read it really fast because I'm one of those people I like to contemplate. You know, I like to read. And then I like to go through all the verses that pertain to that. You know what I mean? And so I like flipping through and everything. So when I read, it might take me a long time just to read a chapter because I absorb everything that I can. And so... um Anyway, I just thought I would throw that in there. But guys, if you want to go and check, I'll kind of give you a, this is what I have on there. It says, this is the remnant believers. Um, 
So we'll say, uh, says, have you caught yourself contemplating the events that have unfolded over the last few decades and thought, what in the world is happening? Are you confused by what these self-proclaimed false prophets are declaring that, declaring what the Lord told them? Yeah, I talk about that in the Bible. I, mean, I talk about that in this book, too. <laughs> says, does it seem like the world is falling apart? He said, and I said, if I, if I were not a Christian, I would be wondering the exact same thing. But as a Christian, I think the opposite is happening. I believe things are falling into place. God is sovereign and he is orchestrating the last day's developments at an ever-increasing speed. In the next few chapters, I want to use uh, current events to explain why Bible prophecy is relevant and how it relates to you and to me today. The, pro- the true prophets of the Old Testament were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God and foretold of these events thousands of years ago. Jesus himself told us what these days would be like and what the signs of his second coming would be. Many of Jesus' disciples and many Old Testament prophets gave us detailed prophecies of what these days we are living in would be like and what we as the remnant church should be doing. So if you guys want to grab that, you can. If you want to go on to Amazon, you can also uh, check out a uh, a sample. So, you know, I start out with, you know, after the introduction, I jump right into scripture and I read, uh, I put on there Jude uh, 1, 16 through 18. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. First Timothy chapter four, verses one and two says, now the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And also end with a Matthew 24, verse three through eight. And before we start chapter one, and I'll read that for you. Um, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not frightened for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. And then I jump into chapter one, the rebirth of Israel. And uh, I'll just read a little bit of that for you guys too today. So I have a little bit of time. So the most significant sign that confirms we are indeed living in the last of the last days was none other than the rebirth of the nation of Israel. After 2000 years, Israel became a nation again. Nothing like that has ever happened in history. You see, all the prophetic events during Christ's second coming are centered around Israel. And if Israel is not a nation, then these prophetic events cannot take place as foretold in scripture. But God revived and regathered them exactly like he said in Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 13 quote i will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and i will bring them into their own land i will pasture them on the mountains of israel and the ravines and in all the settlements in the land end quote in fact 740 years before jesus was even born the prophet isaiah prophesied in isaiah 66 verse 8 who has heard such a thing who has seen such things can a land be born in one day can a nation be brought forth all at once for 
and that was unquote. So for ever since the Lord Jesus ascended to heaven to sit on the right hand of God the Father, end time events have prophesied Israel will be a nation once more. Then in 24 hours, just as the Bible prophesied, Israel was reborn on May 14th, 1948. This is the most exciting fulfilled Bible prophecy since the birth and resurrection of our Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Why? Because it proves the Bible once again and gives us hope while living in the end times. These last days prophecies could not be fulfilled unless there was a nation of Israel. Take Cyrus Schofield, for example. When he added notes in his reference Bible back in 1909, he said that Russia would invade Israel in the last days. But at that time, people thought he was crazy. Russia was an Orthodox Christian nation and Israel was not even a nation. It wouldn't it would be another 39 years before United States President Harry S. Truman will be the first to recognize that Israel was reborn. He proudly proclaimed, and I quote, I believe it has a glorious future before it, not just another sovereign nation, but as an embodiment of the great ideals of our civilization, unquote. The prophecy that Mr. Schofield was referring to was that of Ezekiel 38, which I just kind of read you guys. And so anyway, um, if you want to go on, it says uh, this. Now, this is where I talk about what these so all the countries and the nations that are listed in Ezekiel 38 have some have the same names as then and other ones are different. So I'll kind of give you a, a quick uh, another paragraph here. So uh, this prophecy continues to speak about the nations that will make war with Israel in the end times. So let's take a moment to identify the current nations discussed in this prophecy. Gog, G-O-G, is not a nation, but was the ruler of the land of Magog. According to Dr. David Jeremiah in his study Bible, he explains that Magog is the region on the world map where the Stan countries exist today. Uh, the states of the former Soviet Empire, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, and perhaps Afghanistan. The people of Rosh are considered Russia, and Tubal and Meshach are widely accepted as regions of modern-day Turkey. Persia, which is now Iran, and Ethiopia and Put, which is modern-day Libya and Kush, uh, and Kush, which is Sudan, all form a coalition to invade Israel. And of course, I have the map. There says, by studying the map, you can understand why God will intervene. Because if he does not, Israel would not stand a chance. I have a map on there showing all this. And I said, uh, so what makes this prophecy even more remarkable is that in 2020, with the assistance of President Donald Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, a peace agreement was made with Middle East countries. This agreement advances the alignment of the nations that will make war with Israel and those that will protest this war. This gathering of nations has never happened in history. I said, for example, take a close look at Russia and Syria. Russia's military has joined forces with Syria and is po poised on the northern border of Syria and Israel right now. As I type this, Turkey and Russia are working together militarily along with Syria to plot against Israel. And not only does it set up the nations that will advance against Israel, but it but it may also have prepared the covenant written by or written about in Daniel 9:27, as noted below. Uh, Daniel 927 says, then he shall confirm a cabinet with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, Daniel, but, uh, but in the middle of so Daniel 927, he goes on to say after the, in the middle of the week, he's going to break that. Right. But anyway, so I said, with careful consideration of the text, we can note the word confirm in the Greek as taken from the Strong's lexicon. The word confirm is gabar or gabar, and it means to be strong by implication to prevail, act insolently, exceed, confirm, be great, be mighty, prevail, 
put to more strength, strengthen, be stronger, be valiant. So upon studying this verse, it becomes clear that there will already be a covenant in place prior to the Antichrist confirming or making the existing one stronger. And so as, uh, as we were quite literally locked in our homes and forced to watch helplessly as the inconceivable events progressed during the infamous year of 2020, who would have been able to predict what was about to take place in our world on a global scale? And I'll end there. And guys, if you want to read any more, you can grab that book on Amazon. $5 and some odd, 30 some odd cents for the paperback. And if you got Kindle Unlimited, it is free to read. Um, anyway, guys, I'm going to get off here. I'm going to get ready to go to work. Um, I hope you guys have a blessed day. You know, get in, get into scripture, get into the word of God. Um, you know, not only study Bible prophecy, don't zero in on that. You know, years ago I made that mistake, you know, where I just focused on Bible prophecy and that's all I focused on. You know, I kind of neglected the rest of the Bible. Um, but we, we should not neglect the rest of the Bible. And so, you know, be, be reading through, like I'm in Galatians right now. We're reading through Galatians. <laughs> I think I read a little bit of Galatians for you guys earlier, chapter 6. And uh, so, you know, who knows? We may go to, let's see, Galatians chapter 6. Might as well finish out Galatians, shall we? So we did the, yeah, we did. So be good. We did that. So glory only in the cross. So uh, see, we'll just finish out Galatians because we're almost done. So, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I mean, hit that. So glory only in the cross. Uh, this is verse 11, 6 verse 11. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been created crucified to me and I to the world for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation so remember we are a new creature new creation in Christ when you get saved and uh, he goes blessing and plea sorry and he says uh and as many as walk according to this rule peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God from now on let no one trouble me for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus brethren the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit amen so next we will dive into Ephesians and so that'll be exciting folks Ephesians got a lot of great stuff and so uh, from now on I'm going to make that a, a point um, to open with scripture and um, we will read a couple you know a couple verses maybe you know depends um, like, you know, we do, we may do the redemption of Christ, uh, starting, um, on the next episode, we'll read Ephesians 1, uh, 1 to 14, and then we may close with a prayer for spiritual wisdom out of chapter one. So we'll try to read an entire chapter on each podcast, unless it's like, you know, Matthew, you know, like a really long chapter or something. But anyway, um, with that, uh, all glory to God and we need to keep on focusing on the kingdom, not on our surroundings, be aware of our surroundings. Uh, we can use that to, um, to witness to folks in the world today, be praying for, um, everything. We have so much, so much evil going on in the world, but we are not to be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil. So remember that Christ lives in us greater is he that lives in us than he that is in the world. Take that to heart. 
And I'm going to get off of here. So get in the Word of God. Let the Word of God get into you. And Maranatha, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Today, folks, today may be the day. Woo-hoo. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. May God bless each and every one of you. Keep looking for the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.